Blog Talk Radio. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. Take away for all your goodness. 
Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. Today, we speak of love, great love beyond all that one could ever imagine, love based on the belief that the universe hinges on predetermined people finding their other half, their bash hurt, to maintain cosmic balance, or more simply, what we typically refer to as a match made in heaven. This is your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I am also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice, located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest is Herb Freed, who started his life as an ordained rabbi and became the spiritual leader of Temple Beth Shalom at Lake Mahopak, New York, while producing and directing three shows at the Made Man Playhouse in New York City. Eventually, Herb resigned his pulpit to become a movie director. He has directed and produced 15 feature films, most of which have had psychological, spiritual, and or social themes in spite of their commercial categories. Best known for Graduation Day, a horror film, Tomboy, a teenage romp, and the psychological drama Haunts and Child to Man, a story of survival during the Watts riots. Herb is also the author of Bush Hurt, which launched on Friday, February 14th, which was, actually that was a Tuesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, and that's just so crazy good that it did, and that is our topic for discussion, and in my humble opinion, is destined to become a bestseller. So welcome to the show, Herb. Thank you so much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? Well, I'm being much better now. I, I read, first of all, I, I read about, uh, about you and about the reconnected healing practitioner and all of the things that you do, and I'm, I'm awed by all the <laughs> wonderful things that you've undertaken. And I just am so pleased to be talking to you. It really is a, uh, it's a privilege for me, and, and, and I'm just delighted. It's a privilege for me as well. I, I could not put down this book. I seriously began to burn dinner one night while I was reading it. I mean, there was, you know, every, I had to clean the stove and take it apart because it was like everything boiled over. It was a mess, but I, I didn't care. You took me away. I was so enthralled and intrigued, and a whole array of emotions is, is how can I say this, the wonderful roller coaster I got from reading your book. And, you know, I have heard the word, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it properly, Bash Hurt, before, but I wasn't as aware of the full meaning of it until I read your book. So to ensure that we're all on the same page, would you please tell our listening audience what exactly does Bash Hurt mean? And probably first I should ask, am I pronouncing it properly? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're doing a great job. It is pronounced Bashert, uh, B-A-S-H-E-R-T, Bashert. It's a Yiddish word, uh, and it means soulmate. It means uh, that uh, each, for each of us there is a, a preordained, a predestined soul that uh, will give us complete and whole, wholeness in our lives once we get together. Uh, it, comes from the, it emerges from the Kabbalah, which is a mystical
physical source that you might be familiar with, or your readers, your mm-hmm. listeners might. Uh, and uh, the the idea is, as as you beautifully stated, uh, it, it it's uh, that God, in uh, prior to birth, often will separate a soul, and it becomes the mission of the two people to find one another through life. And when they do, their life is exalted. Now, I can write about this because I've lived it. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I know that there's so many people I've spoken to who've read the book uh, and who, who come to me and say, this is a story of my life as well. You know, I, I, I was a, a one for a very long time in my life, and my life just felt that it wasn't quite complete. It wasn't going in the right direction. And my other half came in, and I suddenly became a two, and he or she became a two, and our lives just multiplied, the value of our lives, the values in our lives. Uh, and so that's uh, the, what, I, what I set out to do. Uh, but, you know, you are deeply involved in spiritual uh, areas, of, and so you're, you're way ahead of, of most people, including me. Uh, but uh, I, too, have studied the Kabbalah and studying for the rabbinate. Uh, I, I was able to access and sometimes come close because uh, some of my professors, a, I don't know if your readers or, or uh, listeners are familiar with Abraham Joshua Heschel. He was one, mm-hmm. of, the, one, of, my, one of my great, great teachers. And he would often uh, begin a story and stop and just look at us. And each of us would hear the story. And he would ask us afterward, what did you hear? And we would tell them, and it was all some version of the same story. Each of us is a little different, but all the same, the same thing. And he was able to communicate spiritually without using the words. And so sometimes words uh, can convey a full idea uh, and a concept, but sometimes they're just a hint. Uh, and, uh, and that's uh, kind of what, happens, what, the, what the word uh, basher sort of means. It's, it hints at a kind of a relationship that ennobles, enhances, uh, and expands your life. Uh, and, and so that's really what I wrote about. And you did a fabulous job. And I'm certainly not ahead of anyone on anything. I, I just, you know, go through and try to live harming none and making sure that, that I see the sacred. And I think it's important. I try to teach that to my clients and my patients to try to see the sacred in everything because I think you live differently when you are aware of that, when that mindfulness is there. And this book is, as you said, this is based on your life. So let's start with that. So what is actual and what is filler? (laughs) I'm sorry? What is actual? What are the actual parts that's based on your life? And what is the rest of what part of it is like filler? Uh, well, I'll tell you, um, my wife uh, passed away a few years ago. Uh, Marion uh, was a great mm-hmm. writer. And one of the things she taught me early on is that all fiction is biography, and all biography is fiction. And so mm-hmm. what, uh, what I've written here is about things that I know. Uh, I've written about a life that we, that we lived, and, uh, and it was a, an exalted life. Uh, and um, much of that is true, all the different locations that we go to. Uh, and, you know, we talk about uh, we, we, the book takes you on adventures in, uh, to Paris, Rome, Israel, Cancun, Jamaica, which is an incredibly interesting, highly spiritual place. Uh, and I've been to all those places. I've made, you know, made the, over a dozen movies. I think some say it's closer to 20. I don't know. Uh, I've made movies for 35 years. But I've been to all these locations, and in each one I was able to uh, 
absorb something of their spirituality. And all these people did have it, whether, whether it was listening to uh, Piaf in Paris or it was listening to uh, a, a, uh, you know, a, just a, a preacher in Jamaica uh, or, you know, wherever, all the various places I've been, I have been able to absorb truths. I've been able to absorb ideas. And some very often they were not things that I could I could really put my finger on, and so the style of the book that I've taken is what I call magical realism. In other words, it's real because I feel it, I know it's real, and because I can't necessarily expound in words, I have to say it's 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 magical. It, it is a magical book. I mean, you can't you literally can't put it down. I, I'm sure people have told you that. You just cannot put this book down. It just holds you and and you it makes you think there's a there's a great perception there's a great spirituality to it where you you think and you shake your head yes or other times you wonder and you say well yeah I never looked at it that way I never thought of it that way and it makes you wonder which is good because you know it's always good to ask questions it's important to 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 question and, and learn I can't tell you what a joy it is to talk to people who who uh, who are literally kindred spirits who who understand exactly what I've written, whether I understand it entirely or not. But by talking to you, I understand it better. <laughs> <laughs> and you wrote it. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. I mean, you know, there there are hands that guide me, uh, and the hands that guide uh, all of us. And uh, you know, and so by listening. Uh, really listening, and I, I keep going over some of the things that you've done in your, uh, you know, with uh, your children's foundation. All the things that you do that uh, are, are just so noble and so ennobling uh, that I, I find myself in, a, in another range when I'm talking to you. Oh, interesting. Oh, well, thank you for that. Yeah, I, I try to keep myself out of trouble, so staying busy is a good way to do that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a rather tough a rather tough question for you because I'm not really sure if this part is actual or not. I believe that it is. Um your first wife Anne passed away early on in your marriage, correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay. She's not mentioned all that much in the book because, you know, you're talking about the the second part with Marion and we know that Marion is your Bashert. What about Anne? Do you feel that she was a soulmate as well? I know that that's a hard question because you weren't together all that long, but I think sometimes that I, when I read this, I thought, okay, Bouchert is more than just a soulmate. It's a preordained person that you're meant to find at some point, whereas I believe, and this is just me, that you can have soulmates on every level, male, female. It doesn't necessarily mean there will always be an intimate relationship. It's just someone that you connect with when you speak with them you're on a soul level with them and you both know and get each other very very well and that to me is a soulmate relationship regardless of intimacy and i'm wondering what your thoughts are on on all of that i must say uh that you've opened up uh, an area that is uh very very special and i i just kick myself because i think i should have made more of it but my relationship with uh, with Anne was a, a very important and very beautiful uh, time. We didn't have that much time together uh, because she passed away uh, early on. But she was an essential part of my life, uh, and uh, I, I'm, I, I sometimes think uh, that you know, is it okay that I had one Bashert in my life, and that was Marion? 
but mm-hmm. but in in by the same token, Anne was very much about uh, uh, uh in a different way. She wasn't my soulmate in that regard, but she was my dear, close, loving friend, uh, and we helped each other enormously. Uh, I mean, when I met her, uh, she was a Broadway star. She starred in, uh, in West Side Story. She starred in Fiddler on the Roof. I don't know if you go back that far, but if you if you ever saw Fiddler on the Roof with Zero Mostel, you saw Anne. She was she played the uh, the eldest daughter, and she was enormously mm. gifted. And when we married, her father happened to have been a very orthodox rabbi in Brooklyn, and she just had a, a difficult childhood because she was interested in the theater and enormously gifted. So when uh, she met me, I was still a rabbi, and she wouldn't go out with me. She was a beautiful woman. She was extremely intelligent, very funny. She she had a laugh that I can still hear in my ear, but she wouldn't go out with a rabbi because she hated, she despised rabbis. I convinced her that I'm not that kind of rabbi. I'm the kind of rabbi who loves to touch women, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I don't I don't have those problems. Uh, and but but slowly she began to take me around to the theater. And she opened up an entirely new avenue for me. She got me into acting classes. I took dance classes. I studied dance with Martha Graham. I was—I uh, I even joined a, you know, a, a little group that did improv. And so she, she began to give me this whole new life that I realized was the way I wanted to live. And she enabled me to actually leave the rabbinate, which, which was a very important part of my life. I was a pulpit rabbi for just three years. And, uh, and it was an, an, an interesting life, and it was a good life, but it wasn't giving me enough. And she, Anne, taught me uh, a very important line from a, uh, an Indian poet by the name of Tagore. And the line is, Tagore says, God respects us when we work, but he loves us when we sing. And so she, I kept thinking about that, and I thought about my work as a rabbi. Working as a rabbi was very fulfilling in many ways. Uh, I felt that I was doing a, a very important job. I was uh, trying to comfort the afflicted, uh, deal with, with life uh, changes and uh, healing the sick, all the, all the stuff that, that clergymen do. And all that, it's in all that, I understood that God respected me. But I had to sing, and there was no way I could sing being a rabbi. And so I had to leave. It was a, uh, it was a crisis in my life. But with, uh, with Anne, she enabled me to come through it. And we had uh, some lovely, lovely years together. Uh, we had wonderful times. Uh, in fact, one of the things, I, we, I, I made a, a film in Israel uh, some years ago. And uh, just before I did, she was on, in Fiddler. And they, uh, they asked her to go to Israel because they were doing two new versions of Fiddler on the Roof, one in Hebrew and one in Yiddish. Uh, and it was a fascinating story. And we, we, had a, we had very good and happy years together, but they were few years. And I knew uh, during that time that it was, it was where I should be at the time. But I also understood that this was not my soulmate, not the one that is, I'm preordained to be with through all eternity, because I do believe that. That's another angle to it. I do believe that we... We are, are the love of, that exists between two Bashert lovers, two Bashert people, two people who are de- preordained to be together, that that love can transcend death. Uh, and so that's a, that's a whole other 
aspect to it. But in, in, I just took a pretty long-winded answer to your question. But the reality is that, yes, I do believe that we have many, many close allies and even soulmates, but not, I do believe that there's only one mate that is in, intended for us for all eternity, and that's the Basharat. That's beautiful, and, and I, please allow me to correct myself. You did pay tribute to Anne in your book, and you did it very well. I, I wasn't meaning to say that at all. It's just that it was such a short part, and the rest of it had yeah. to be as it was written. I believe, and I, I thought this as I was reading your book, that she was the person to set you up for Marion, and I believe that because when I'm talking to people or teaching workshops, or, or especially with students, it's each of us, you know, we are all the teacher and we are all the student in any, any engagement. Uh, you know, and we are also the stepping stone or the catalyst, however you want to word it, and sometimes we're actually the aha moment. And you can hear <laughs> the same thing over and over and over again but not get it, and then one person says it and it's like, oh, well, now I get it. It's the way that they said it. So I think that she was the catalyst to your being able to open your heart up so much so that you could bring in Marion, that you could recognize her and see her, because perhaps being, you know, a rabbi, you would not have noticed that. That's beautifully, beautifully said. And what, what, how insightful for you to see all that, because that's exactly what it is. And it's proven so many ways. I just flash back on my years. Uh, when I married uh, Anne, I was 29 years old. Now, uh, I, I, had, uh, I grew up in Ohio and went to Columbia to, uh, when I went to college. And I went out on dates all the time. I used to love to dance, and uh, you know, I'm six feet tall, not you know, not grotesque looking. And I, I went out with a lot of women, but I never, never fell in love, and until I was in, in my late twenties. This was the very first time in my life, and I fell in love with with uh, Anne, and we did marry, uh, and it was uh, it was very loving and very lovely. But the reality is that she set me up in so many ways. First of all, most importantly, emotionally, she prepared mm-hmm. me for what it was going to be when I, meet, uh, when, I, when I met Marion. But even beyond that, if I were still a rabbi somewhere, uh, wherever, I would never have met Marion. Marion, when I met her, was, had just been divorced. Uh, she was married for some 20 years to a very well-known uh, uh, actor. Uh, I guess you'd call him a movie star. It was not a good marriage. It was, wasn't right for them, but uh, the, uh, they, they both divorced. And she was divorced, she was divorced when, I had, when I met her, and she had never really been in love this way either. And it was, we met at a, at a Writers Guild screening, which I would never have gone to if I were still in the rabbinate. And she never went to anyway because uh, she just felt, you know, it's just a bunch of writers uh, uh, angry that other writers are getting some uh, applause. And we met at this place, and she just looked at me, looked, I looked at her. She asked me something. I spoke two words, and she said from the minute she heard my voice, she knew. And I said the minute I heard her voice and saw her face, I knew. It was like you know the the scene in Godfather when you're struck with a with a lightning bolt. I don't know how that mm-hmm. happened. It's only happened that one time in my life, but I know that it happened. And yes, who prepared me for that? It was Anne. It was part of yes. the process. 
that comes through in the book. I mean, it did for me. It was clear that this was, you know, it was like, oh, okay, this is now I see how this was set up for him to meet her. And it was very, I love it when there is such a, you can see how life is intertwined. And, you know, many times throughout life we have good ideas and we're going along and that's our plan. And then the Lord shows us that's not the plan. The plan's going to change. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's a different trajectory. And yeah. that, that has happened a number of times, you know. Uh, but it's fascinating to see how it works. And it always works out for the better and for the greater good of everyone. Uh, you know, if you, if you hadn't met Anne, you wouldn't have met Marion. If you hadn't met Marion, you would never have written this book, which I think is really something that will be most helpful to many, many people because it does show a way to seek out and see and not just jump into anything, but really see how things can work and, and what the feeling comes across. I guess the emotions, there's total emoting going on when you're reading this. So, you know, kudos to you. <laughs> well, I'm, you're making me a very happy man. Well, um, that's because good. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to tell you, I had an interesting chat yesterday, and someone just kind of out of the blue said, what do you see as your purpose as your purpose in life? Why are you here? And I had to think for a minute, and what I thought of was Coleridge's poem, you know, the ancient mariner. I thought I'm here for one reason. I've got a story to tell, and that's exactly the way I really define my life at this moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so I'm, when I find someone who actually understands and who who can see and can help me understand more about what I've written. It's, these, are, these are the high points of my life. Yeah, and it, the whole book is, you know, you've had many high points, and it's great. I mean, let's face it, no marriage is perfect, but this is really showing how you can get through a lot of different things and the forgiveness factor and the, you know, how life and loss and love and forgiveness all comes into play. I believe that I would have found this difficult to write if it were me, but then I also feel on some level that I would have found it, um, I'm not really sure what the word is, empowering, cathartic, fulfilling, uh, beneficial, purposeful. To be honest, this has been stumping me for a couple of days because I've been trying to think out what is the other word. And somehow I sense it, it is an honoring of sorts. Am I even close to the oh as my to God. why you're, you're, I wrote you're this? Absolutely. You absolutely struck the heart. That's exactly okay. what it is. That's exactly okay. what it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, in terms of writing, uh, I've written over 20 screenplays in my, in my career. A, a screenplay takes me about, on average, three to five months every single day. Three to five months I can do a screenplay. This book took me five years every single day. And yeah. it was never work. It was always what got me out of bed in the morning, and uh, and it kept changing and evolving and growing. It was like watching a you know a, a child uh, you know just, just just beginning to develop, and uh, you know and over the over the the days the months the years, uh, it became it, it suddenly I, I saw the picture you know I saw the picture on the wall and that's uh, and and it, it was it was not difficult, you know with screenplays I had to make up stuff. You know, and how to make stuff fit. Uh, I had to go toward the ending, and the ending had to even had to leave an audience with such and such. That's not the way it was here. The book came out of out of everything that I've ever lived, and so that was uh, why it was so easy for me to do. Yeah, and 
and so well done. I mean, it's not like I've received books from people that are 800 pages long, and I thought, wow, I have to read this book for the show, and it's, there's probably going to be a million questions, and I might have one because there's really not a lot in the book. And then I had another book that was 47 pages long, and I had the gentleman on like two times because there was so much to discuss. And you've done the perfect job of balancing, you know, so that we get the whole story. And it's very, you're on your journey with you. We, we go on the journey with you, and we can feel it. As I said, it's, um, it's really interesting and, and beautifully written and fascinating. I, you know, and then, then I have like a little corny thing here. I have to say, you know, as corny as this is going to sound, as I, as I was reading the book, I was thinking, oh, my God, this is all about love, you know. And then I, and this just hit me. It's like, you know, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing that there's just too little love. I, I don't really know the rest of that song. <laughs> and I don't sing on it because I'm not good at it. But we need it. We need a bad right now everywhere. There's no place to go to get away from the lack unless we see it and create it and feel it and seek oh, out the oh, sacredness of it in our own lives. Do you agree I, with I, that? I agree with it entirely. It's, it's, it's exactly what I, the way I feel. Uh, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't want to get political, but one of the things uh, I, I, today is uh, Women's Day, and I yes. honor women. Uh, and uh, I just uh, I found a poem by. Uh, by Liesl Muller uh, um, in honor of women. And uh, it's just so amazing in how, you know, how, how, how this, 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 the love of women are what keep us, keeps us aloft, what keeps us from blowing up the planet. Uh, and I feel that, uh, that we, we are desperately in need of love. And the thing is, it's, it's, so, it's, it's so available. You know, it's all there. You know, uh, and this may sound strange because one of the things I started out with the Kabbalah, uh, the mysticism, and then I started reading uh, about quantum mechanics, and uh, and I began to think, wait a minute, there are these multiple universes that they talk about uh, mm-hmm. that are uh, that have so many things in common with with kind of classical uh, spirituality. Uh, and things that are that can't really be spelled out, but they're there in multiple universes. You can walk down the street and turn left, uh, and find your bashert. You can walk down the same street, turn right, and you won't find your bashert. But that was in another in another universe. Uh, and so I found that there was such a hunger to try to find a way, find a way to uh, to live a life uh, as as happily, as peacefully, as joyfully, as productively as you can. And so that's, uh, that's uh, to hear you talk about that is really quite beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, it just kind of makes sense to me. I'm, I'm a Capricorn, so I'm logical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, you are. I, uh, I, I believe that there are, that we have other lives, you know, that this isn't the only one that we, that we live, that we have lived other lives before. And, and in studying, I'm a student of quantum physics and quantum mechanics because I was skeptical about energy work at first, and that was what brought me to really believe, yeah, this stuff works. So I got into wow. it. And, Isn't that amazing? You know, the first person I've amazing. talked to who has that background. This is just absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, I, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people lately, but this is absolutely mind-blowing. I, never, I don't know why I even mentioned quantum mechanics. I never mentioned that before. But well, uh, it's, 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 it's fascinating, yeah. isn't it? There's so much it's that you true. can get out of it, and you know everything is energy. And so for me, in in you know uh, quantum mechanics, when you part of the thing that is taught is that it, 
our lives, our past lives, our future lives, and our present life are actually all simultaneously going on at the same time. So whenever I'm working on anyone, I work on every incarnation of the soul's entity because I figure, why should I just work on this one? I might as well work on all of them and raise everybody's vibration because it is just energy. That's all it is. So it goes far and wide. But through 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 being able to know that there are other lives, and in, in my belief, and uh, okay, so you have you have had your best shirt in this life. Do you, first of all, do you believe that there are other lives and do you believe in every life that you will live, you will meet her again? I do. Okay. I, 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 I can't really uh, provide a formula, but it's a mm-hmm. belief that I have. Uh, you know, there was, it was, there was an interesting uh, review. The book just came out, you know, on, on Valentine's Day, what, a week, mm. two weeks ago. And it immediately got a, a fascinating review from San Francisco, I'm sorry, San Diego. And the title of the, uh, of the, of the article, and of the review, was, Can Love Transcend Death? And uh, uh, and that's uh, that that kind of goes to your point. Uh, you know, is beyond death, is there this this continuity uh, of souls that uh, that continue to grow together and travel together and expand together as the universe expands? And my belief is yes. Now I uh, you know I can't prove it. I can't. Uh, uh, all I can do is share my ex- my personal experiences and my insights, which uh, which may apply. Uh, I mean, I, I'm hearing so many things from you as I'm talking uh, to you and listening to you uh, that, uh, that there's so many, so many other things that will fill my life. But that's one of the, the lovely things about being able to communicate with kindred souls. With kindred spirits, you find new things, new ideas that seem to weave in and around your own and give you a whole new look at, at what you've been thinking, what you've been talking about. Uh, and yes, yeah, so I think there are many ways to view that. You know, uh, but my my personal belief is that is that there is an extension beyond beyond the grave. I mean, the the Kabbalists believe, you know, that uh, that the soul that was divided at birth should find one another, and they will be reunited as a soul. But two people, no matter how their the souls are divided, do not come from the same womb at the same time. And so as they go through life and pass through life, they will pass beyond life. One of them will go first. They do not go in tandem. So mm-hmm. when, when one of, the, one of the, the, soul, when the soulmate dies, what happens? How do you survive that? Is it possible to survive it? And that's another very important aspect of the book that I, that I hope will, will, will come through too. Because there's such confusion and so much anger and so much pain uh, that, comes, uh, that comes with that. But... Uh, if you're able to uh, get beyond that, you can then you can find this glorious union that I call reunification that I truly believe. I truly believe that as well, and I believe it. Maybe it's because I do some, I do um, pediatric hospice volunteer work, and uh, that's hard because these are little people. But these little people, they know. They know more than we do. We have a lot to learn from them. They know where they're going. They know what they've seen. Um, you know, you have a child die in your arms and the parents are in the room and it's difficult at best. It's difficult, but these children know there is no, when it's an adult going through hospice, you know, it's a lot different. There's a little bit of fear there. The children do not have that. And so I don't, I don't 
I hate to think that I've become cold about death. I don't think I have. I think I just look at it differently and realize that we are going someplace else and we will see these people again if that is what is meant to be. The love cannot die when there is such a strong bond. So I firmly believe that. And while I grieve and I cry, I don't hold on to it. I don't keep it in my life forever because that's part of the detachment that you learn, I guess. Uh, you have to be able to move on because our job here is to to find joy and give joy. If we do those two things, if everybody just did those two things, the whole world would be a different place. <laughs> you know, what an totally elevated soul you are. I, I, I'm so pleased and thrilled to hear you talk like this because all, everything you're saying really sends chills through my spine. You do all the things in life that we all have to do uh, to to sustain order in life. Uh, and to make sense of it all, and uh, and I know that the pa- the pain that you must go through from time to time, but the truth that you carry in your heart, and in your brain, uh, and the way you apply it to your work is really remarkable. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm very honored to be talking to you about this. Oh well, that's very kind. Thank you. I think that it just comes from you know being with different people and listening and kind of figuring out your own way and. I don't really worry about what anybody else thinks of me. <laughs> I'm just trying to go through my life. <laughs> there's, no, there's no time for that. Yeah, there isn't. You know, it's too hard. You don't want to put that kind of pressure on yourself. So a lot of people will, I mean, there. I have people who look at me and think, yeah, D- he does that woo-woo stuff. And I just laugh and think, oh, okay. But then I've noticed when something occurs in their life, they, they will come to me and ask me questions. And, um, and, and I will help them as best that I can. You know, it's important to do that. But... I guess I've just come up with these ways. It could be just justification, but I, I, I am not myself scared of death, and it, it's not something I'm looking forward to, but it's like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to happen to all of us, so do what you can while you're here. Love as best you can while you're here, and consider the, the sacredness of all, because it is. Everything is, you know, everything breathes, the rocks, the trees, the animals, everything. So, you know, that's kind of where I where I come from on that. In your book... There was a character I fell in love with, and I'm sure, you know, Molly. Molly is a very cool character. She is so strong in her convictions. It it kind of reminded me of me because if you – she kind of reminded me of myself because there are times I will fight to the death (laughs) on certain (laughs) issues. You know, yeah, and uh, but she's not crazy. She's she's actually she's imperfect as we all are, but she has a great heart. What was your inspiration yeah. for her? Well. Um... It's difficult to say. I, uh, my daughter, actually my, my, my stepdaughter was Marion's daughter. Uh, her name is Polly, not Molly. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I uh, took a lot from her. Uh, when uh, when Marion passed away five years ago, and, and prior to that, uh, going way back, when Marion unfortunately uh, had, was stricken with a terrible disease, lupus, uh, and it's, it's, it's really, uh, causes a lot of, a, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. And Polly, uh, when, which, uh, when she was, comes back to town, she was in New York for quite a long time. When she came back to Los Angeles, she was here every day and, uh, Marion could be in bed and just in, in such a, a miserable state and such, so much suffering and pain that she couldn't talk to anybody. Polly would just run into the bedroom from the horses, run into the bedroom, stick her face right into Marion and say, Hi, Mama, I'm home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Marion would just light up. And she brought, just brought her so much love. And, uh, and she just sat there. 
and she put her hands on her on Marion's head. She combed combed her hair, uh, and patted down her hair. And the two of them would just sit there and look. And and Marion would start start talking, start kibitzing, and they would get together and they'd start laughing. And so she was this this amazing amazing young woman. And I thought there are elements of her that I have to show. Now, uh, in terms of her with with her her love interest, that is her. Mm. The, Guy, she's she's uh, she's married to, or gets married to, um, is a whole different story, and that was a that was a fictional, uh, because uh, Polly is not married. Uh, she's very popular, and she goes. She has a lot of friends and male friends and female friends, but she's not uh, she's not married. But I do use uh, use much of her personality. This kind of bubbling personality, and she could she has a way of igniting. That in other people, and she could just look at them in the face and make them laugh. Uh, if you ever come out to California when she's doing a show, she does one woman. She's a singer. She does one woman yeah. shows. And I'll, I'll, what, I'll, what I will do is send you a, 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 a CD of some of her songs. And, oh, uh, cool! Thank and, you. And, and there'll, there'll be uh, you know, so you'll get a sense of, of who that is, even though the character that I've created uh, is a little bit different. But. Uh, very feisty. I liked her. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly because she still she is stayed. It's a great yeah. word. She she stayed grounded the whole time, you know, because it it doesn't matter. I mean, and I've had people say to me, you know, when things are happening, you're somehow you're still grounded. How do you do it? It's like you got to get through. You just got to get through. You can collapse later when nobody sees you. You can cry your eyes out later, but when you're doing something, whatever it is, you just stay grounded and go move right through it. And she's very good in in that way, uh, Molly. Who. You know, yeah. I I just I loved that character very very much. It was very interesting to uh, to read about her, um, especially seeing her grow up because we did see that. You know. Oh. Um, yeah, that's uh, well, and 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 she was she was feisty as a child too. I mean, I didn't know her when in her early years, but Marion told me the most wonderful stories, and some of them are actually in the book. You know, when she decides, you know, she decides to tell the family when she's I think eleven. You know that, that there are serious problems in the family. Uh, and uh, so she, uh, she, there's a lot of her in the book. That's great, and she knows it, right? She's aware. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think she does. Uh, <laughs> she, she's she's read every version of that I've written, and she's always you know been there to you know to, to help me out and to talk about it. Uh, but uh, she never really admits to to being that character. I don't know if she. <laughs> Way. But uh, but it sure is wonderful for me from the other side just to look at it, just to watch her. Yeah, yeah, and to see what's happening. There is a lot of Jewish speak in the book. It's not a Jewish book, though, uh, but the messages are quite universal. You know, the messages about love and loss and life, and it really does speak to everyone. Surely I am not the per- first person who ha- you have heard that from. Yes, that's, that, that is true. Um but once again, you know, uh, you, you write about what you know. And uh, so, uh, I, you know, the way I arrived at spirituality started out, you know, uh, in rabbinic literature and, uh, and, and my studies in the rabbinate. Uh, but then uh, as I, they began to go out and, you know, I began to grow up and, and, and uh, explore whole new aspects of thought, of life, of, of love, of uh, communication between people. Uh, I began to uh, to understand that you know there's a, there are transcendent truths everywhere, 
and no one religion, uh, you know, really uh, can be uh, superior to any other. The question is one of uh, one of spirituality and connecting. And uh, you know, I, I, when I look at my my very closest friends, I would say some are Jewish, most are not, uh, and you know, we don't talk too much about uh, you know about religion per se. Uh, except uh, when, when it's some way relevant, but we're all on the same on the same sp- space and the same time, uh, and uh, and so uh, I, I find that the going down that route, spirituality is what is what binds us all together, and it also enables us to be free. It it liberates us. It does, and I think. In reality, when we cross over, it, everything is probably just semantics. It's, you know, whatever God you're calling the God of your understanding, it's the same God the other person is calling, whatever they call their God of understanding. You know, it's, it just seems to make sense. Why would God be redundant? I love that part of I love that part of Marion. Oh, my gosh, i got to get this right. What did she say? She said... Uh, that the son of a bitch works six days or seven days, now he's returning <laughs> off. I'm like, oh, oh yes, God, uh, yeah, yes. I love she says, she says, you know, God is a lazy son of a bitch. And he works six days, and he wants to freeload for the rest of eternity. You know, I mean, <laughs> this guy's got, he's, you know, he's got to find something to do other than just uh, uh, make floods and destroy the cities of the wicked, some of which he didn't think were all that wicked, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and she says, you know, so it's a good thing God's got Bashar's people to, you know, to look after him. You know, so that he's all something to do, and, and the I Kabbalah does talk that. about that. I'm sorry. I laughed at that. That was hysterical because I thought, yeah, she's right. He only worked, you know, six days. He's taken the rest of eternity off. So sometimes when I say, hey, where are you? Can you help me? It's like, I know you don't have anything to do because the world's not exactly, you know, great. So can you just help me with this little issue and then I will stop pestering you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there, there, are, there's, there are sources uh, in, in the Talmud where they talk about, you know, what does God do? They said, well, he spends all of his time trying to put together Bashar's couples. And that's very difficult. You know, because there are always problems. You know, you, you, somebody knocks on your door, and you open the door, and it's your basheret, and your father says, Get, close the door, I don't want to talk to that bum. And there it goes. So, you know, it, uh, it's, uh, there, there, are many, there, there are many such stories about that, and many, many such feelings. But, yeah, uh, her attitude is, uh, is, 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 is pretty earthy. It was hysterical. I mean, I loved her. I thought, I can see why these two are together. This makes complete sense to me. You know? <laughs> yeah. It really so did. Um, I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you should say that because there's no doubt in my mind, not the slightest hint of a doubt, that uh, she and I were absolutely made for each other, uh, meant for each other, made for each other, uh, and, uh, and intended for each other, both here and wherever it takes us. Now, you were a rabbi for how many years? Three years. Okay. And during yeah. that time, you, of course, had to give uh, um, sermons. I don't know if that's the proper word. Um, but you had to give sermons in the synagogue, I'm presuming, every week or, or, or whatever. And I'm thinking that all of those things, really, all of that speaking and talking, it, it – you know, you can't help but learn from it yourself. As you said earlier, you learn from hearing and listening and, and what you wrote, your own words. You learn how to see them differently from other people's perspectives. So I know that when I'm speaking to a group of people, I'm listening to what I'm saying because 
it's a message for me too. And especially if I go off course a little bit and I just, especially these radio shows, it's never, you know, the questions I write down are never the questions I ask. And I, <laughs> you know, you go off course a little bit. Those are the things that are meant to be discussed, talked about or whatever. And the message is there for me as well. So I'm thinking in those three years, which is not that long a period of time, all that you had written helped you to put this book together. And so this book, it kind of, your sermons to the world, but in a very entertaining and, and wonderful way based on reality. But your sermons play into it, I feel, because of the fact, the way that you wrote it, the way that well, it is written. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting to hear you say that. In fact, it's very, very, very perceptive of you to see that because the reality is I've learned to to create messages to clear messages uh in in rabbinical school uh and they teach you you know there you take courses in what they call homiletics you know so you know how to write a sermon and uh there's on the blackboard the first the first year day you're in the class you say if if you're into any sermon that you write is longer than 20 minutes you're in trouble because if you can't struck oil in 20 minutes stop boring <laughs> Uh, right. And uh, so you learn to, to, to be concise, find out what it is that you want to say, and find a way of saying it. But then uh, I found, too, that uh, while I, because I started taking uh, acting classes and uh, learning how to present uh, ideas, just uh, that was in the last part of my, my rabbinate uh, while I was still with Anne, uh, and I was learning not only how to write sermons, but how to deliver them. And so uh, I, I had my own unique style. I remember one time uh, talking about uh, uh, there was I think there's a movie called On the Beach, and it was about nuclear annihilation, and the, the story took place in Australia. So I was on the on the the pulpit. There's 600 people in the audience in the congregation. I'm wearing a talus, you know, a a, a, a robe, and uh, I start to. I start to waltz across the stage, and I just sing, waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda. <laughs> and everybody says, excuse me, Rabbi, what the hell's going on? What are you? <laughs> and I said, this is a story about nuclear annihilation, and we're just waltzing around, not paying attention to what's going on. And I started to talk about the, that particular movie on the beach and about the, the threat of nuclear annihilation. So I had my own style as a rabbi. Uh, and, uh, you know, there were some people who might have been offended by it, but by and large, you know, the large groups of people came out to see, you know, and to, to hear these sermons. And uh, when I, when I started to go, to, to go into film, uh, in my, my story sense uh, is one of those things that was noticed early on, and that's how I got my first breaks. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you taught, you, you did your sermons in a way that people would pay attention instead of going in and being bored by just somebody talking monotone to you the whole time and not really paying attention and there's no articulation or no inflection. In the, that's horrible. This is why I'm not a good Catholic. Oh, well. But I've got to tell you, there are some, there are some, wonderful, some wonderful Catholic priests. I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Greeley. Uh, he was uh, a, a very important uh, Catholic theologian, and he yes. came to, to talk to our group at the Jewish Theological Seminary. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, there are many things you can talk about when you talk about religion. 
He said, but the most important thing is that religion is story. Before it is anything else, and after it is everything else, it is story. Mm. And so it, it, is, it is narrative, something to guide you through your life. Uh, so there are some, you know, there's some, some uh, wonderful speakers among the uh, priests as well. You'll, you'll find yeah. good ones, you know, uh, and uh, you, you know you'll find all kinds everywhere. I'm afraid to say. But, yes, uh, that's absolutely true. I cannot believe this, Herb. We are almost at the top of the hour. <laughs> oh really? But, but, oh my God! Yes, I know. This has gone by. What, so a, what a beautiful hour it's been. Can you send me a tape of this? I'm going to love it. I'd love to absolutely. play it. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, you will get that. Um, but before we go, please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, Bershert. Oh well, uh, the best way to learn about uh, me and the book. Uh, is to go to my website, which is not surprisingly herbfreed.com. That's H-E-R-B-F-R-E-E-D.com, herbfreed.com, and it'll tell you all kinds of things, uh, not only about me, but about the book and about uh, some of the responses we've been getting to the book. Or you can, you know, if you uh, are interested, you can go to uh, uh, any of the booksellers, but certainly Amazon. Uh, go to Amazon and uh, click on Bashert. B as in boy, A-S-H-E-R-T, Bashert, and that'll tell you pretty much everything you need to know, too. So I would be very happy to hear from anybody who reads it and uh, has something, you know, some, some input that I, can, that I can listen to and learn from. And I've got to tell you, I, I learned more from today's uh, hour with you. Uh, it's hard to believe it's an hour. Uh, I know. But <laughs> today's session with you has been absolutely delightful and thrilling. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I will be in New York sometime next month, uh, so I'll, if I get a chance to go over to New Jersey, I'll give you a call. Yeah, absolutely give me a call. Yes, please do. I'd love to be able to come into New York and meet you for a drink. You know, I drink lovely, water. Lovely, <laughs> I drink okay, water. Okay, I, I will take you up on that. <laughs> oh, my goodness, and I appreciate you being on the air. Thank you so very much. It's been an incredible hour, one of the best shows I've had. So much fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, purposefully, and sacredly. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. Please be sure to check out our charitable organization for kids, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every penny of every donation goes directly to children in need. We are run completely by volunteers. There are no salaries or stipends. I am also the author of the soon-to-be-released children's book, Santa's Tiniest Elves. All royalties from this book will go directly to children in need. So we are Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, and we believe in investing by investing in Brighter Tomorrow. We are giving them a better today. Thank you for taking time to visit our website, 
sojihuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. It's not a hand.